It's Friday. It's Samuel Friday. G. Brooks, it's Friday. It's Friday. <laughs> <laughs> we'll sell you the whole seat, but you'll only need the edge on this morning's Real Talk. Uh, welcome to the show. To those of you that are tuned in live watching us on YouTube this morning, we are super excited about what's in store over the next couple of hours or so. Uh, you know, uh, before I go, uh, get into what's coming up today, let me very quickly make a note if you didn't see it on social media and let you know what's been bumped today. Uh, bumped, as a matter of fact, not the proper word. It would imply that that these guests were told uh, that they're going to have to wait to appear on the show because something else more timely, more significant, more important is coming up. That That's not the case with Janice Irwin and Vitor Marciano. However, a scheduling conflict arose outside of the Real Talk family, which is perfectly fine. Life happens, especially when you're talking about movers and shakers, right? Especially when you're talking about people whose whose time is valuable, whose service and perspective is in high demand. And so our panelists have graciously agreed to reschedule for Monday, 9 a.m. It's going to be meet in the middle Monday with Janice Irwin, the NDP MLA, and Vitor Marciano, the former Wild Rose Party senior strategist, senior advisor. Vitor was uh, Brian Jean's press secretary for quite some time, and, and um, well, he's just a good dude. I love Vitor's perspective. So I'm, what made this especially interesting, if you missed it, was it already last? Was it already a week ago that I threw out that we should bring back healthcare premiums? I think it was. A, I think it was about a week ago. Yeah, it was about a week ago. I think we were talking about on last Friday's show, saying we'll get this on next Friday. Something show. like that. Yeah. And then I kind of flippantly, you know, someone was like, you know, made some comment about politics, and I kind of flippantly was like, "Here's a controversial idea: bring back healthcare premiums." And then the internet exploded in a micro way. Not like how the internet has exploded in other ways this week, thanks to Reddit and and <laughs> everything going on in Wall Street. We're going to get into that today, but. The point is, an interesting development out of all of that, we saw uh, Janice Sermon. I want to be careful about the labels that I use here, but if I can be lazy for a second and say Janice Sermon on the left and, and Vitor Marciano on the right, even though that might be a little too lazy in characterizing them both, they came together in their criticism of me, <laughs> which is great because in my mind, it goes to show that people can have completely different uh, political priorities, and maybe they don't have completely different priorities. We're going to find out on Monday. That's why we, you know, talk. And uh, I'm really We're looking forward to it. Middle Monday. We're going to do meet I, in the middle Monday. I, I your, be, uh, this could be a regular well, segment. I was about to say, I love your uh, your sudden ability to rebrand a segment just because there was a scheduling change. Oh it's sure, perfect. Yeah. Oh sure. Yeah. We it's, could have we could have had talking I mean, Tuesday. Yeah. We could have had where yet Wednesday. We could have had. Think on it Thursday. You just have these teed up, don't you? <laughs> well, I stay up all night planning this stuff out, Sam. In just a Only second, we're going to talk to, in my mind, uh, one of the funniest uh, uh, television uh, actors in Canada, uh, Andrew Fung. I don't, I, like, I'm not sure if you follow him on Twitter. You've, you've likely seen him on Kim's Convenience. They've just launched uh, season five, wildly popular show. But Andrew's uh, been at it. For a long time, he's been rewarded for his work with three different Canadian Screen Awards, and I'm thrilled that he's making time for us today. Our Friday roundtable, we hope that it's what we call appointment viewing for you every Friday from 9 to 10, although a huge shout out to everybody that's listening to the podcast later. I mean, who knows? It's, it's not lost on me, Sam, that some people may be listening to this interview six months after we record it live. So you never know. In the, in the podcast game, of course, you never know when people are going to find an interview. So a shout out to everybody who's tuning into this. There's this trend that's... Uh, surfaced numbers show 
and uh, and and some of the mainstream uh, political commentators and societal watchers are starting to write and talk about this, a trend of young people leaving the province of Alberta. They're born and raised in Alberta, but the province that used to promise uh, job opportunities everywhere, uh, six-figure starting incomes with a high school diploma in some circumstances, plenty of money to be made, no longer, or at least on the surface, appears to no longer have a draw to convince young people to stay and to start their careers here. This whole retainment exercise. Uh, there's recruitment and then there's retainment. And, and retainment's a huge part of preventing brain drains and everything else. I probably don't have to explain that to you. Well, our roundtable today, I know it feels strange and a little bit rude to ask panelists, ask guests on a show how old they are, but, but I'm, I'm quite certain, as a matter of fact, our oldest panelist today is 22. If I if if I remember correctly, we'll have to, we'll have to fact check that one of them 17 and is running for a spot on Edmonton City Council. So we're going to talk to three young people. Uh, two of them have either left Alberta already or intend to leave. A third, as mentioned, is wanting to stay here. So we're going to pick their brains. I'm looking forward to this conversation. Um, and then Andre Domis, uh, contributing editor for McLean's magazine, will join us in the 10 o'clock hour ahead of time. We're going to show you a string of his TikTok videos that got into trying to explain, trying to trying to trying to make accessible to, to folks like me who get a little scared off, a little intimidated by Wall Street language. He's going to explain to us what's going on. It's a spectacular thread. I it's, love it. It's it's he just he it's you're going to have to put the earmuffs on the kids. Because he cuts right to the chase. There's going to be a. I'm just going to warn you uh, as well ahead of time, uh, and I'm going to. I'm assuming you're going to get excited too. Our trash talk today is full of of verbal hand grenades. It's going to be an. It's going to be an NC17 or whatever the the current rating. It's 18 plus. Our trash talk today, so you're not going to want to miss that. Andrew Fung, in just a second, of course, we're very proud to partner with our title sponsor, Bitcoin Well. 2021 is a big year for Bitcoin Well. They're getting set to go public. They've grown this business right here in Edmonton. Now, Bitcoin ATMs across the country, they pride themselves on being the easiest and most seamless way for you to buy and sell Bitcoin. If you have questions, all you have to do is follow the link, the sponsors tab on our website, RyanJesperson.com. Real talk starts right now. Here's Ryan Jesperson. You know, a lot of times when you when you host a news or a current affairs program, you, you can't book shows more than a couple days in advance because you want to make sure that what you're talking about is topical. But every once in a while, you have a chance to to bring in a guest. You can book two months ahead of time because, you know, everybody's going to be interested in what they have to say. Before we say hello to Andrew Fung, why don't we take a look at some of his work? This is some of the best on Kim's Convenience. Done this before, Andrew Shi. Yeah, yeah. Just uh, check a YouTube. Hmm? OK, yeah. They doing it like how I do. Hmm? OK, next, uh, take a sleeper joint a prior. Please. Yeah, ply with the sleeper joint. Okay, near base of a overflow tube, turn clockwise. Are you sure we should be going counterclockwise? I sometimes stuck. Twist the harder. <sighs> you turned the wrong way. I did the way you told me to. I said clockwise. I did it clockwise. All right. Um. 
Now we have to replace a porkok. Why? What's so funny? Porkok is a broken. Porkok, the word. It's funny. Oh, hey. Hey. That's a funny. Hmm? Stop it! Porkok. <laughs> <sighs> <laughs> Andrew Fung, star of Kim's Convenience. Welcome to Real Talk. Thanks for being here. Oh, thank you for having me. Congrats on the show. Yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, Andrew, you got you got your start, I think uh, it's fair to say, at Calgary's Loose Moose Theater. We used to go there uh, from the minute we got our driver's license and for many years after that. Do you ever kind of shake yourself for a second and think back to that, you know, the first time you stepped out on the stage, now you're starring in one of Canada's most celebrated TV series? Honestly, I think about it every day and and you know i started at loose moose theater when i was 16 years old and a bunch of friends and i you know we got invited down to the theater do improv we were really into it and just fell in love with it and i from 16 to like two years ago when i moved out of calgary i was there every friday and saturday um at the theater trying to do improv shows and and even in my stomach like if it's six or seven o'clock uh, mountain time my stomach still churns it's like oh you should be at loose moose <laughs> putting your hand up trying to get in the show and so i like i'm just i'm my body is trained that way i i miss it i miss it so much can we before we go any further uh it took me a second it was it, it was it was when our producer sam took the wide shot of you and I'm looking at the background and I know that anybody that's into sneakers is going to be losing their <laughs> minds right now and demanding that I ask you about what we're seeing here behind you. You're seeing the, the wall of sneakers and uh, it, it, I, I love sneakers. And it, it's, it's also related to like loose moose. Like whenever I would do improv, um, I love lacing on like a fresh pair of kicks, you know, a fresh pair of sneakers and it just became a thing. And so I used to have it all stacked up like around the house and like in boxes. And so I really, and I saw this shoe wall and I'm like, I want to make this shoe wall. I want to get, I want to recondo this space, do it right. So this is uh this is the sneaker wall. That looks absolutely incredible. And it looks like he, I'm, I'm, I'm looking, I'm trying to identify them and, and the real, like the real sneaker collectors will tell me to shut up and stop trying to pretend like I know what I'm talking about but i think i see some nike force in there but i'm not sure what i read is there is there like a certain family or a loyalty you know people that are like car people or, or truck yeah. guy you know you're either you're either a dodge guy or a ford guy you're you don't probably have one of each in the driveway is it the same with shoes yeah like for me like it was always like nikes and jordans just because like you know growing up mid 90s like jordan you know his three double three peats was such a big thing um so Nikes and Jordans, some Yeezys, some Kanye West sneakers, a lot of Air Max 90s, some like classic Air Max 90s. Um, I think as become, as I as I go further into dad life and, uh, and and as a father, I look for sneakers that I can wear on a daily basis that are kind of easy to put on, um, that kind of look good with every outfit. But I, I do skew toward like a Jordan 1, 2, 1, 3, 4, and some Yeezys. Oh, you're playing the clip. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is, I mean, it's, there, there's, you know, they say you can tell a lot about somebody by their shoes, and I believe it. Uh, there are people that buy new shoes, and then the, the, the laces get all worn down, the shoes get all scuffed, and then there are people that treat their shoes like you'd, like you'd treat a, an exotic sports car. You must, I mean, I don't see a lot of mud on those sneaks behind you. You know what? And it goes down to, I just take care of it. You know, and it, it, that's something I learned from my mom and dad. It's like, respect the things you have. You know, you don't have a lot. Respect the things you have. And so, like, for me, like, when I buy my shoes, like, I wear them. People are like, you must never wear them. Oh, I wear them. 
Uh, except before I wear them, I throw on like a layer of protecting spray. You know, the thing they offer you when you buy a shoe and you're like, no, I don't need it. No, buy it. It's $5. Buy it. So <laughs> you tell me you, you for years. You spray your shoes before every time, before every time you go out, before every time you wear them? No. Oh. Just like before I wear it the first time, I'll sure. throw a layer on. Sure. And then if I wear it, it gets dirty. If I notice the mud on it, you know, like I'll put it aside and then like once every couple months, I'll go through and clean some of the shoes with like a, with like a brush and some like, you know, natural shoe cleaner. Um, but it's, it's, it's honestly, it's like, it's like, it's, it's not hard. It's just like, it's like, it's like, it's just what you value. You know, if, if you're a yeah. watch person or you like purses or you like cars, like if you love cars, man, you're clean, you're taking your car to the car wash every, every week. That's you know? right. All different and ways. So, you, you've got like the chamois that nobody really recognizes. You paid $49 for, but you want to find a way to talk about it. How's that? How's how's home life been for you? I mean, I, I would imagine, you know, one of the storylines of this pandemic has been the interruption in a lot of the you know television film production. And and people are saying we might not kind of really realize the full extent of that until maybe a year from now. And a lot of people are going, well, my favorite series, you know, hasn't brought out its new season. You guys were able to just drop a new one. Yeah, so it's it's airing right now. We're, we're next. We're going on to our third week of the new season. We like everyone. We were pushed back. Like we were, you know, we were supposed to start in May, and then it got pushed and pushed as we were just like discovering what protocols needed to happen. And we just were like governments and communities and and health workers were just like figuring out how to contain this. Um, so when we started back up in September, we were like there was a lot of protocols and. Um, we were we were like a well-oiled machine i'm so proud to say you know there were tons of protocols we had a covid coordinator on set tons of ppe the casting crew were like separated you know like there was limited number of crew on set there was people working remotely in different parts of the studio um we limited the number of of extras and background background performers um daily covid tests for for the main cast so we did everything possible and i am really proud to say that we finished the season with zero cases and zero shutdowns and it really is a testament to the casting crew just like coming together like crew stepping it up you know it sucks wearing a mask all day long yeah for us it was like putting on our own makeup um doing our own hair touches you know stuff like that but like at the end of the day it was like everyone coming together working together i, I did have a, a funny thought like i i remember like because there's limited crew on the set and one day i was like just like hanging around i opened this closet door and in the closet door was a pull focus guy. And he like looked up to the light. I was like, whoa, he's like, this is my area where I work. And I was like, oh, oh. they just sacrificed so much. How to, have you this, how so. have you managed just like as a human? What, what's the imp- not not as an actor, not as someone in TV yeah. production? You know, I mean, you've got a family like what's what's the impact been like for you? You know, it's up and down, you know, and I, 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 it's it's up and down for everybody. And there's days where, you know, you're just not feeling it. And, and, and there's days where you're like, you, you feel like you feel kind of normal. Um, but for me, it was like all about my kids. I got two boys. So pandemic has been about like going for walks, playing, playing 21 in the backyard, um, just playing in the basement, wrestling, having nerf battles, doing lots of arts and crafts. It's just trying to fill the time with things that, that, that are stimulating, uh, but also recognizing there's, there's going to be tough days. And, and sometimes my wife, like, you know, she was having a tough day. It's like, Hey, go get out of here. Go take a break. Go like go upstairs. You know, my, my Christmas gift to her before there was a lockdown was she got to have like two days in a hotel by herself. Ooh. You know? 
yeah, this was before Ontario went back into lockdown, before even Toronto went back into another lockdown in the in the fall. But like, hey, I'm like, my Christmas gift to you. You go to a hotel for two days. <laughs> Smart man, dude. Smart but, man. Know. Yeah. So where where are you? Are you in Toronto right now? I'm in Toronto right now. Yeah. And that's and that's home now. It is home now. It's uh, it's a weird thing to say. I, I know some people at CBC Radio called me a Torontonian. I was like, oh man, like I was, <laughs> I was like, it hit me, you know, it yeah. hit me. Because uh, I still feel like a Calgary. I, I I I am still a Calgary kid. What do you think? What do you think's more weird? Uh, you is it? Did you go? I'm trying to remember what. Did you go to Churchill? What high school did you go to? No, I went to uh, Bishop McNally in the Northeast. Bishop so one of the McNally, newer high schools. Yeah, the time. yeah. I don't yeah. even think that was built. You must. You're you're a little bit younger than me. I was. I'm a Henry Wisewood kid, but I don't know what's what's more strange is me, a born and raised Calgarian, now an Edmontonian, uh, or you, a born and raised Calgarian, now a Torontonian. I don't know. Those those are both. Uh, Calgary's oh, got I both those Edmonton's cities. Worse. Yeah, worse. He says worse. Well, Edmonton, Edmonton, there's like blood drawn. Like there's blood yeah. drawn. You know. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. There's Although I don't know. Inherited. In. You look at what's happening on the ice right now. You know, Jake Muzzin. I'm not trying to get too into the weeds here, but Jake Muzzin of of the Leafs flipping the pocket. Matthew Kachuk the other night after the Leafs beat the Flames. Kachuk goes bananas, and people are saying the new. I mean, this North Division. I don't know if you're a big hockey fan, Andrew, but yeah. this 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 rivalry that's starting up with the Maple Leafs and the Flames. I, I've got all the time in the world for that one. Well, you know what? It's it's anything to take our mind off the world, right? And when yeah. they, when I saw them realign the divisions and I saw the North Division, I was like, oh, man. Like, Because already there's some solid teams. There's some solid contenders in the mix, but also just more so like, now it's like Canada. It's like now it's like now it's like you're fighting over the, the, the love of the country. Um, and so I, I like it. Like, <laughs> it's like a mad max thunderdome you know like i i love that kind of stuff so it's uh i obviously I obviously within uh, i don't want it to go too far but i love a friendly rivalry yeah no kidding i don't know if you've been paying attention to other you're probably i know you're probably doing a lot of press now with the new season and obviously you're involved in production i don't know if you heard but the fairmont jasper park lodge will be hosting for something like nine straight weeks uh, cast and crew to film the next season of The Bachelorette. And we've got some really thoughtful emails from listeners, viewers, some of them saying this is great. It can put people back to work, most especially staff at the hotel. Um, Other people are are straight up pissed saying like, you know, the the fact that everybody can do this in a pandemic, other people's reservations got canceled, et cetera. Um, In the context of somebody that works in Canadian television production, do you have an opinion on that story? I see both sides. If I had a reservation, I I, I read somewhere that a, a gentleman had a reservation for his wife's fiftieth anniversary, or fiftieth birthday, and that's a pretty it's a pretty big birthday, you know. And it it, it it to lose that reservation sucks, especially right now, like all the planning and, and financially, like you know, for 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 someone to scrap together the money to be able to do something like this for their spouse is huge. On the other side, um, you know, crews going back to work, staff going back to work, having like the whole hotel booked up. There's a lot of money there. So I don't know. I don't know if there's right or wrong. And that's the thing right now we're in like society right now, society, there is always going to have some, there's always going to be someone that's negatively impacted by something, you know, and, and, and I I can't change that. You know, Uh, I am happy for the people going back to work. I am happy for the staff. People did lose their reservations, but I will argue, you know, it might not be the same, but there, I believe Alberta doesn't have a stay at home order. So there are other places you can go in a province like in Alberta, there are some beautiful places you can still go to. So that would be my positive 
outlook on things. And maybe, hopefully, the hotel gave them a voucher or a discount for a future stay. I don't yeah. know. I would imagine um, that they're doing something to keep people happy. It's funny. Yeah. Like, even talking to you right now, um, I feel safe. this is a safe space, this interview and this uh, audience. Um, I know that we can be reasonable and say reasonable things, and, and some people are going to disagree, and that's fine. Um, there's not a lot of, of hand grenade slinging here. Um, but I, I feel like I, I even want to offer thoughts in response to what you're saying, and I'm also petrified to do it because message everything is so super yeah. heated right now. You know, part of me wanted to say, Andrew, you're right. And and hopefully, by the way, the guy that had his wife's 50th birthday canceled in the Outlook cabin, he's one of the present. He's one of the title sponsors of this show. Um, he, oh, okay. Yeah, he owns a company called Local Waste. Uh, Chris Labossier, yeah. he tweeted that the other day. Um, so but, you know, so part of me thinks, well, geez, I mean, all the other hospitality operators in Jasper, this could be huge for them. Right. I mean, if, if and then also part of me is like someone's going to say on Twitter and, and go to blow me up. Um, oh, Ryan Jesperson encouraging, you know, packing all the hotels in Jasper, you know, because we've been pretty tough on politicians who've traveled. And we've also been trying to do our part as best we can to flatten this curve. And sometimes, I've, you know, we're in a position of, of comment. I mean, there's a live mic in front of me two hours every day. Um, if you didn't say anything, you wouldn't accomplish much. But at the same time, sometimes I go, you know what I mean? Walking on eggshells, it feels like. Yeah, it does feel that way. And I, I, I go back to having that respectful dialogue and, and, and there's always like, there's always like positives and negatives to every situation. And, you know, we're in COVID right now and there's a lot of debate about all the protocols and all the things we're doing in COVID. There will always be positives and negatives. And it's, it's finding the best balance possible and the best balance that affects the least amount of people in an adverse way. Um, but yeah, I just kind of, you get kind of get used to it now. And I, I, I was reminded of this maybe, Early in pandemic, I was making birdhouses with my my sons. I was uh, we were doing arts and crafts, and we were making birdhouses. And a woman tweeted at me and was like, "You know what, Andrew? It's called you don't have to you don't have to uh, keep them entertained twenty four seven. What? And I was like, "Yo, <laughs> what? You saw a father building birdhouses with his sons, doing a, an arts and crafts activity, going outside, hanging the birdhouses, and you thought, yo." I'm going to crap on this guy. Yeah. I'm like, you know what? You can't make everyone happy. I'm and, surprised she didn't accuse so, you of virtue signaling. <laughs> that's oh, the, that's oh, the new man. thing. Yeah. If you're, oh, he, oh, he's showing off his family investment. Oh, virtue signaling. Uh, you've never, yeah. you've actually, one of the things that, that, that kind of first caught my eye uh, about you on social media is that you don't, um, you're not shy in sharing political opinions. You're not shy about digging into uh, you know, things that you have a strong opinion on in some circumstances, which, you know, you think sometimes for for an actor or for an entertainer, uh, that's not always their protocol on Twitter, as an example. What What's going on between your ears? How do you sort it out? Uh, well, I don't I try to I try to stay out of it. Like, I don't try to I don't follow it. 24 seven because i think if i did it would it would crush my mental health yeah because i think there are people that do it 24 7 you know you're in it all the time and i think and i i applaud you for being able to like hold on to the perspective it's heavy no um, i don't know i think sometimes i totally lose my perspective actually sometimes like okay. sometimes yeah. i completely lose my perspective you're 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 on to something well i i just think that we gotta i follow it peripherally one because i i I'm an Albertan, born and raised. Even if I don't live there anymore, I follow it. My family's still there. I, I hope to someday 
you know, come home and, and, and live there again. And, and so I love the province. I love the people. My friends are out there. Um, and, and I try to pop in every now and then whenever I feel like something's really getting at me. So I've only done it. I, I feel like only a handful of times in the last little while, but whenever I do, it gets this big traction. And I think it's because I pick and choose my spots. I pick and choose my spots. And I think I try to have a really rational point of view that, that best represents the regular Albertans. And so I popped in, you know, the last time I popped in was around in December when we hadn't seen Jason Kenny in, in, in nine days, you know, and I, I cracked some jokes and just like, what's like, what are we doing? You know, we need to do something. Um, and so I, I pop in every now and then to, to voice my opinion. I don't want to flood it because there are people who are already doing that. And plus, if I, I think if I'm in it too long, it'll hurt me. Um, it'll hurt me mentally. At the same time, though, I don't want to continually criticize someone because I want to let the whatever level of government be able to do their work. I want, I don't want any level of Canadian government to fail. Mm. I don't. And so maybe this government isn't the government I wanted provincially. I didn't vote for them provincially, but at the same time, a a large portion of Albertans did. So I think that for me, it was just like, yo, do your thing, do your work. Let's see you, let's see you play the game, you know? And it's like, it's like a hockey thing. It's like, let's see you leave it out on the ice. Mm. Right. Do people in Toronto, anybody in Toronto aware of, and and it's funny, some of our audience members in Western Canada are going to go, who gives a shit what people in Toronto think? But, but are these issues that, that if you, if you know, if you were to wake up anywhere in the province of Alberta right now, people would be talking about 911 dispatch or coal or curriculum rewrites, or I mean, you know, teachers pensions, or I could literally go for seven minutes right now. Uh, is anybody in yeah. Toronto talking about Keystone XL getting canceled or or the Rocky Mountains being mined or anything like that? Well, it's 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 hard. It's hard for me to say because I don't talk to a lot of people because uh, of COVID. Because you're and because you're a big time. deal. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I uh, I no, just because I'm trying to stay safe, just trying to be home, stay safe, you know. But I, I find when I do do like if I'm doing like, you know, because news on CBC radio or like um, uh, having conversations around current events. If I bring up something related to Alberta, it's people are, are aware of it, but not the good things. And it's things like, you know, Jason Kenney doing, you know, going off about uh, uh, the pipeline or, or the stuff in regards to the ministers uh, traveling during the holidays, um, you know, stuff that Tyler Shandra was trying to pull, like stuff I mentioned that people were like, yeah, we heard of that. Like, it's like, mm. it's like we're getting the worst things coming out of Alberta. Yeah. We got to get them talking about bit. talking about like our AI innovators and, and, and that, that kind of stuff. We've got to find a way to, to change that narrative that governments are in a position to, to, you know, play a big part in storytelling and presenting what a province is all about. Um, let, let me before we go, because I don't want to run out of time here with you before we actually talk about your show, too, because you've got a lot of fans of Kim's Convenience that are watching right now that are fans of Real Talk, too, which is great. Judy says that she says you've got to follow Kim's actors on Twitter. She says they're so interactive and involved and funny and real. Is there something with this cast? Yeah, well, I think I think our online persona is trying to be best represent who we are. Mm. And so, you know, like for me, like I talk a lot about my family. Um, 
I talk a lot about like comedy and I do a lot of stuff around nerd culture, you know, and my co-star Paul San Young Lee, who was recently in the Mandalorian is the same. Like he's, he's showcasing his cosplay and he's talking about, you know, star Wars, star Wars, like opinions and theories. And like, that's his world. And, and we, we love to interact with one another, but more so we love interacting with fans. We love interacting with fans every Tuesday when the show's airing, we love interacting with fans who get the show on Netflix like a few months later. We love interacting with fans who are rewatching the show. We love talking about the culture within the show you know there's discussions around food or we had a discussion recently about taking off our shoes in the house that was a thing on asian like a, a lot of asian creators were like wait are they taking off their shoes off and on the house we're like we are and it actually makes production harder because the producers always like why are we doing that and, and the asian cast are like that's what we have to do we have mm. to take off our shoes in in off and on the house how big is it um, andrew to have like when we talk about representation uh in pop culture representation in entertainment um f- you know for you to work on a show like this right now in canada in, in the context of equitable and equal representation well i think uh, it means everything because it's a it's a distinctly immigrant story an immigrant canadian story being told on a national level and that has transcended the national level and has gone global and is relatable around the world so that's very exciting and it, it proves that these stories are worth watching and they're marketable and they can make money you know, and I think sometimes that's the argument before of like, well, there's not going to be an audience for this. But like, I think we're proving that there is an audience for this. And we're proving that there is talent in this country um, that is that is excellent, that is extraordinary. And so we've always, I've always you know, been an advocate of like our community having so much great talent. And I've been an advocate for Calgary having an amazing, have amazing talent. And so this show puts the spotlight on local Canadian performers because the cast is is all Canadians. And now, you know, one cast member has his own Marvel Marvel movie and another is in a galaxy far, far away. So it, it's exciting to see and I hope we see more of it. Um, and, you know, speaking to the Alberta film, film and television crew, I hope we get to see some more of it in Alberta. Yeah, no kidding. It'd be absolutely incredible. Andrew Fung uh, plays Kim Chi on Kim's Convenience, a wildly popular series that airs Tuesdays on CBC. As mentioned, you can catch past seasons. Uh, They've rolled out season five now. Past seasons available on Netflix. The winner of three Canadian Screen Awards, a celebrated actor, writer, improv comedian, and of course, television personality. Andrew, thanks for spending some time with us on this Friday. What a way to start a day for us. Oh, it's a pleasure, man. Hey, anytime. Book me anytime. I'll be there, man. Oh, we promise we will. We'll see you again. That's Andrew <laughs> right, Fung. Yeah, you bet. Make sure you check out Kim's Convenience. I love that guy. Um, hey, why don't we get to uh, a couple of spots here quickly so we can get to our news headlines, get you in the loop, and then we're going to roll this conversation right over. It's a, it's a show where we're celebrating young talent in Canada today. Some of the people that you're going to meet in our roundtable, uh, and then even Andre Domis. Uh, I don't know. Andre and I are probably in the same ballpark age-wise. I don't know if we're young anymore, but any Anyway, strong voice, contributing editor for McLean's. He's going to talk about what's going on in Wall Street these days. The team at St. Albert and Sherwood Dodge is ready for you right now. 2021 is a year that uh, big Jeep fans have had circled on the calendar for a while because, you know, Jeep's been getting ready to roll out that seven passenger Grand Cherokee a little bit more room in the back and then the big grand wagoneer the pinnacle of jeep performance and luxury but if that's not what you're looking for you want something a little more maybe more fuel efficient economical to get around the city take a look at the compass you want something that's out of the factory jacked up and ready to rock the wrangler the gladiator they've got a ton of them at saint albert and sherwood dodge your go-to for jeep 
in Alberta. Also want to give a shout out to Friesen Brothers. It's been amazing to hear from more and more and more of you that are making plans on March 5th to make sure you check out their new store. That is grand opening day just off the Anthony Henday at Rabbit Hill Road. It is their 15th Alberta location and they're proud to continue to showcase Alberta producers, Alberta farmers. It's where you'll find the best Alberta beef, pork, turkey, chicken, Alberta milled flour, Alberta produce when they can get it. Friesen Brothers is Alberta grown, Alberta owned. Let's take a look at the news. The Prime Minister will be announcing uh, today new measures aimed at further restricting international travel as more infectious variants of COVID-19, the coronavirus that's causing the spread around the globe, pop up. Prime Minister Trudeau urging Canadians has been for weeks not to take any non-essential trips out of the country, and he's warned that the federal government could impose restrictions at any time that would make it tougher for these Canadians to return. Well, that's exactly what's about to happen. Um, You know, it's suspected and it's probably common sense to suggest that the PM or the PMO, anyway, the office is probably concerned about uh, an influx of Canadians that that are sick and tired of the cold weather that are seeing everybody else, not everybody else, but other people travel internationally, so they're going to start making plans. PMO is obviously trying to put a halt on this. Uh, Quebec's premier, Francois Legault, has been urging the feds to require anybody returning from travel abroad to quarantine for two weeks in a hotel at their own expense. So your trip could get a whole lot more expensive. Meantime, when it comes to vaccines, there's a number of different stories that we're following, including vaccine supply in Alberta. You won't want to miss Trash Talk today. The single-dose COVID-19 vaccine developed by pharmaceutical giant Johnson & Johnson has been shown to prevent severe cases with a success rate of 85%. That announced just this morning by Johnson & Johnson. Uh, Overall, the vaccine 66% efficacy at preventing COVID-19. So they say uh, the vaccine uh, appears, uh, they're saying based on early feedback uh, data that they're reviewing to maintain protective ability across population groups, across regions, uh, including at a study site. uh, My mic, Sam, there we go, buddy. Why is that significant? In Africa, a lot of new infections due to new South African variant of the coronavirus. That's a story we're keeping an eye on. And of course, we'll keep you updated on the vaccine front, including updates early next week. Uh, we'll dig into some of the stories and the challenges facing Ottawa. That's the news you need to know this morning. Our next guests, uh, and I'm, I have no idea where this conversation is going to go. This is the best, in my mind, type of roundtable to host. Uh, because we're checking in with young people talking about their future in the province of Alberta. Now, there's a there's a lot of older people, and I'll include myself. Let's say let's let's call older thirty five plus right now. Okay. Oh, thank God. Right. Do you are you still under that? I'm still under that. So Sam, you're so a young I don't person. Get to be, I get to be a young person. We're lucky to have our young guy, our young whippersnapper, Sam Brooks. Running the technical side of the show this morning. Okay, so the young whippersnapper Sam. Well, you know what we'll do is after the roundtable or whatever, we'll we'll see how it goes. um, We'll pick your brain. We'll ask you the exact same questions about the the entire. Now, this is based on you've probably you may have been reading Don Braid's columns in Post Media. I mean, across the country, they've been running them because it's interesting. This is a national story. Young people leaving Alberta. It used to be that Alberta. I mean, there's rapid population growth uh, for a number of years. We probably don't have to get into the entire history of it. 
But I mean, you, you take a look at, you know, Fort McMurray as one example, but, but in any of the large cities, uh, massive population growth and a lot of it young people. It's exciting. Politicians, it's exciting because it, it's a young tax base, right? Because, it, it, you know, population growth is an indicator of other things, typically of economic health, of positive perceptions, right? Young people from from B.C. or Ontario or Quebec that would choose to move to Alberta. That's a that's a feather in the cap for the province and for municipal and provincial leaders and, and business leaders. There's confidence that comes with that. Uh, you know, Alberta has been promoted as as the land of of highly educated and skilled young workers, wrote Don Braid this week. So here's what's concerning when it comes to percentage of residents aged 20 to 24 young people. Numbers from Western Economic Diversification Canada show that young people are leaving. And Leger Research has been taking a look at this as well, and, and they're noting low rates of youth entrepreneurism and high rates of youth unemployment. And it means that young people are no longer considering either staying in Alberta or moving to Alberta. So we're going to talk to three of them, and I'm looking forward to this conversation for the next hour or so. Uh, I first met Kaylin Kufajnakis a number of years ago. She, she was a panelist on a mayor's forum, and we were talking about city building. And Kaylin, I have to say, made such an impression on me, a 22-year-old urban planner, a community builder, a graduate of the University of Alberta's planning program in 2020. She's now working for Stantec Consulting. She's on the board of Paths for People, and she checks in from her new home city, Vancouver. Kaylin, welcome to the show. What was it that, that prompted your move from Alberta to British Columbia? Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Ryan. Uh, it's great to be here, and I love what you're doing with the show. Um, we moved to Vancouver back in November, and uh, it was a lot of factors that really went into that decision. You know, thinking about our own futures, myself and my fiance, our futures in Alberta in terms of where we can move our careers, our future education, thinking about going back to school potentially. And then also the type of life that we wanted to build for our future children and what kind of, you know, cities we might be able to live in that would give us the opportunity to live, you know, without a car, thinking about environmental consciousness, um, being able to have strong education and healthcare systems that make us feel at home. And so a lot of those things went into the decision. And then also just thinking about where to move. Um, Vancouver was really attractive because of how connected it is to the nature around it, being by the ocean, being by the mountains, and then just the people here are so welcoming. And uh, we know that there's a community of young people out here that are really looking to build a future together. So that's kind of some of the reasons why we moved out here. We're really glad to be here, although Edmonton is still home and I still love it. Yeah, well, and, and I, I there's a complexity to this, and, and the good news is we've got plenty of time to dig into it. Um, Aditya Vishvesvaran is uh, a 20 year old Indo Canadian uh, and a Franco Manitoban, uh, currently a second year Bachelor of Secondary Education student at Campus Saint Jean. Uh, having moved to Edmonton from Winnipeg in 2013, eight years ago or so, uh, Aditya has been involved with the City of Edmonton's Youth Council. Uh, he's chair emeritus and an active member of the Franco-Albertan community. Uh, Aditya, thank you so much for making time uh, to be here with us today. Have you settled, would you say, in Alberta? Is your time now studying in Alberta temporary or, or, or is it up to be determined? 
Uh, I think it is up to be determined, but for the most part, I mean, I was really close to moving out east this summer. Uh, I had uh, accepted an offer from University of Montreal, which I later turned down um, due to other reasons. But um, my plans for now are to complete my degree at the Faculté Saint-Jean and then move out east or maybe join Kaylin um, in British Columbia. What would ultimately, uh, and and this may be an eleven minute answer, <laughs> but, but just quick bullet points. What would ultimately determine where you'll move or 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 whether you'll stay? Is it is it the obvious ones? Opportunity, quality of life, personal life, etc. I think for sure it's uh, it's those points that you just know. Uh, listed out, but it's also um, for me personally, um, things like being a person of color and not feeling safe sometimes uh, when I see emboldened white supremacist groups, things like being a Franco-Albertan or a Franco-Manitoban and not seeing that language being funded properly. Um, My possibilities of doing a master's here um, in French are very, very low. The program that I want to do isn't even offered here. Um, So it's it's really an amalgamation of a whole bunch of different um reasons so i guess that that's kind of why i want to head out east where french is such a vibrant language and it's even in provinces like manitoba um french is constantly given the opportunity to kind of well i guess they have their moments too but french is seen as um not a luxury but a right Mm. Our third panelist, uh, and, and and I think it's fair to point out, is our youngest panelist, uh, Harun. Am I pronouncing your name correctly? Is it Harun Ali? Yes, you are. Okay, Harun Ali is uh, 17 years of age, uh, currently distance learning as a political science student at the University of Victoria. Uh, now, here's where it gets really interesting. Uh, Harun already is in a position of desiring to make a significant contribution to community, running, seeking a spot on Edmonton City Council. Uh, Harun, uh, not many 17-year-olds put their name on a ballot for a city councilor's seat. What's what's driving your perspective right now? How did this all happen? You're 17. When I was 17, I was a disaster. Yeah, so I got involved when I was pretty young. I got involved in a lot of different organizations, one of them being uh, what's called Edmonton Youth uh uh, what's called uh, <laughs> Edmonton Youth Council, and it kind of inspired me to start getting involved in politics. So I can I volunteered on Thomas Stang's election, and I ended up volunteering uh, later on in Amarjeet Soy's re-election campaign. After what's called after the Liberals were washed out of Alberta, I kind of lost some hope, and I ended up applying to University of Victoria. However, what ended up happening is that I decided over over COVID nineteen that I really have the opportunity now to make the changes that the city needs. So I decided to run for city council. So what, I want to invest in Edmonton. Oh, yeah. No, no, you can talk over. I don't mean to step on your toes there. Uh, yeah. So so you, you say, OK, look, I, I can impact change here. So I decide to run for council, uh, which, first of all, I don't care if people agree with your politics or not. I think we can all agree that's a fantastic perspective to have. If we had more people that were willing to throw their name into the hat, uh, we'd certainly I mean, we've got an engaged population right here in this listening audience. I can guarantee you that. But but the greater population isn't wired that way. Um, without getting too into the weeds on on your platform, what are some of your key priorities? What are you going to be telling people that say, well, what would you do? What what change do you perceive there needs to be made? 
I really want to look into investing in Edmonton's future. And that's one thing that I think city council needs to really focus on is investing in the infrastructure that we need tomorrow, investing in the roads, investing in bike lanes, and in just generally investing in our youth here in Edmonton. And then also ensuring that we have a better approach to policing here in Edmonton is one of my major goals and delivering on free transit. I really think that we as city council need to recognize that we need to have different modes of transit available to everyone. So I really want to work on delivering free transit. Uh, I'm going to be uh, working in some of our uh, comments here on our live chat. Uh, people here are talking about their own perspectives on what would, you know, cause them to decide to stay somewhere or move somewhere. Um, Kaylin, you know, it's interesting because you're, I think, generally speaking, your story would, would represent um <laughs> how do i phrase this i don't want to put it the wrong way but but it but for 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 politicians in alberta your story is is the worst case scenario a bright young person uh that graduates as as a city planner has a or has a job or at least has an opportunity to take a job with a very prominent employer decides to move out of province that's the exact type of thing that municipal and provincial leaders would be trying to prevent now, nobody's going to blame anybody for moving to Vancouver. My brother and sister both live in Vancouver. What a wonderful and beautiful and incredible city. Could your departure have been prevented? Was there something that could have that could have manifested itself or that could have been part of your reality that would have prompted you to stay in Alberta? Hmm, that's a great question. And like I remember a year ago being on that panel with Mayor Iverson where you were hosting. And at that time, I really didn't know what, I was going to do whether we were going to stay in Edmonton or move away. It's kind of all up in the air. And there's a lot of factors that pull us to where we want to live. And like, we still have lots of family in Edmonton. And that was a major thing to kind of move past was being able to um, move away from family. And as much as I want to be close to them, I also know that my family's also thinking about moving away and might be coming to Vancouver or going elsewhere. And so like, we really didn't have, those sticking factors that would keep us in Edmonton. Um, things like seeing the government making investments in the future of the energy transitions and uh, social programs that make it feel like there really is a strong future to stay and kind of build a career there. Um, so that was, you know, if I had seen that, I might be more likely to stay. Um, but then it's also things like, and now that we are in BC, I love having a government that you don't really notice very often because they're just doing their job and working for the people. Whereas in Alberta, it was like every week there's some new scandal. They're like tearing down mountains to build new coal plants or dismantling our healthcare system or not supporting educators in our community. So it's like, is that really the climate in which I want to be living and raising a family, especially when there is kind of this culture around that and people keep supporting them people are voting this government in and that i don't know that doesn't give me a lot of confidence that it's a place i want to stay aditya this uh, comment here on our live chat from ken um by the way ken deserves a shout out unrelated to this panel yesterday ken the winning bidder on our auction we did that impromptu live auction the oilers jersey the jespo mug the signed cameron Hughes book uh thanks to ken who donated five hundred dollars to momentum walk-in counseling uh yesterday absolutely amazing he's already provided proof of his donation which is just fantastic um ken said that it was it was his own personal life and his own personal experiences most especially the experiences of his family that prompted him to want to make that donation uh to help eliminate financial barriers 
for walk-in counseling and mental health services. So big shout out to Ken. Give him a shout out on the live chat, everybody. Uh, Aditya Ken says, you know, one of the worst things uh, that our current government is doing is trying to steer education to simply serve the job market. Young people want to experience learning, not just be trained to work. Would you agree? Uh, I definitely agree. I feel like we're really putting the focus on our economy or the industries that Alberta supports rather than the passions and the talents of our young people. And I I guess that kind of boils down to young people leaving because they're seeing their talents being valued elsewhere. Um, And it it really is that he's right, because even I'm looking at this, I'm like, I'm a teacher. I'm a teacher in training. I'm looking to become a teacher. Uh, I want to teach in a francophone school. And just the way that like Al- the Campus Saint-Jean is Alberta's only francophone institution. It's the only francophone institution west of Manitoba. Um, we make all of the francophone and French immersion teachers for the entire Western and Northern region. And Campus Saint-Jean is being extremely underfunded, which is leading to, which will in turn lead to our charter rights, which are um, section 23 allows for francophone schools to be built in places where numbers permit. That's going to really affect that because when we don't have francophone school teachers, we can't have francophone schools or French immersion schools and French immersion schools are seeing growing numbers. Like more people are enrolling their kids in French immersion than ever. And that's one of, I feel like the, the fact that the government isn't putting their priorities on this is just one example of Campus Saint-Jean or French education is showing that their priorities are elsewhere and it's in their own alley. It's in their industry. It's in their in their own priorities. Haroon, do you find when 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 people I mean, you should see the, the comments, you, you're, you're being received very warmly, let me say, by our viewing audience today. People people are, are commenting on how remarkable it is your involvement uh, in the political process, your engagement at such a young age. Do you do, do people dismiss you based on your age? Do you find that you have to fight to be taken seriously a little bit because you're because you're relatively speaking, quote unquote, so young? Yes, it's been. Oh, it's been quite a little bit of an uphill battle for me. I've dealt with a lot of uh, what's called, I've gotten a lot of hate emails from through my uh, campaign. I've gotten, whenever I take meetings with people, I don't really get, I don't always get the full picture a lot because they don't really explain things to me and because they don't think that I understand what I'm doing. Uh, I really, I, I really have to fight sometimes to be taken seriously. It's a little bit hard, but I think it's worth it because I'm here, I'm trying to invest in Edmonton's future. Well, I will just say, uh, if I had a Twitter account when I was 17, I would be in so much trouble now. Um, but, but I'm but I'm looking at how you roll on Twitter. You're quite uh, like you're, you're not afraid to bring out the flamethrower every once in a while. You, you, you portray yourself to be quite a confident person. You're going head to head with other political candidates already driving the conversation and determining the narrative uh, when it comes to your campaign to a certain degree, which strategically is impressive. Um, you know, some people might wonder and now we can get into the weeds talking about is it too soon or this type of thing. It's going to be interesting to see how this municipal election unfolds. But has this always been part of how you've been wired? I mean, have you always seen something that would be, you know, unjust or unacceptable or amendable and said, I'm, I'm going to do something about that? You've always been a doer. Yeah, oh, uh, it's cool. My parents raised me to be uh, to be a doer. I was always raised not to complain, <laughs> try to find a solution, try to get something done, because I think that we can't what's called if we are just 
just to sit on Twitter and just complain all day, we're not really making any good decisions. We're not making any good solutions. And that's what I really want to focus on on council is proposing good solutions to projects, not sitting on Twitter and complaining about them. Uh, two beavers watching this morning uh, says indigenous youth are, are such an incredible resource in Alberta. There are so many so very bright, so motivated, uh, but they get lost in the lack of funding for houses and schools and health care. You're nodding at it. I'm curious. I want to ask each one of our panelists about this. But, you know, we, we talked about reconciliation uh, as a nation. Uh, we commissioned a report. We invested millions of dollars into it. We saw almost 100 recommendations. I'm not sure that anybody believes that there's been I, I don't mean to be cynical, but I'm not sure that anybody would say that there's been meaningful progress there. Um, does that factor into how you perceive a, a, a city or a province or even a country? Um, definitely. So uh, as a person of color, I can, I can see that racism is a huge thing here in Alberta and with recent, just the, the, everything that's been happening around the world and how that boils down in Alberta. Um, that's been definitely a tell for me that this is maybe not the place that I want to grow up through where I want to raise my kids. And if it's bad for me, then it's much, much worse for indigenous youth and indigenous people in general. Um, and yeah, yeah, that's, I've got a lot of learning to do, unlearning to do. And so, yeah. I like that you said that you've got learning and unlearning to do. Me too. Kaylin, where are you at on that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Indigenous youth make up such an important, I guess it's kind of dehumanizing to say an intellectual resource, but they have such amazing contributions to give to our society and for us to learn from them. And when Indigenous people aren't even being consulted at minimum on things that affect their ancestral territory, such as coal mining in the, excuse me, in the Rockies and um, just any kind of policies that aren't supporting our Indigenous people, then it's just really frustrating to see that, like, you're not even making the first steps towards reconciliation. It's like the economic priorities are being put so far above everything else that we end up with a society where the people who make it up just aren't being valued. And that's really disappointing. Haroon, how would you answer the same question? I, I really believe that we, we need to ensure that we're investing in what, Sorry, I missed the question. <laughs> oh, and no, just your general thoughts on 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 reconciliation and 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 yes. and and championing, uh, or or at least providing op- meaningful opportunities and and reflecting the need for cultural awareness and and reconciliation specifically with Indigenous youth. I mean, uh, you know, I mean, it's just it it reconciliation means different things to different people. But I think across the board, we can all acknowledge that we've got a lot of work to do, and I'm not sure we've done very much. Mm-hmm. Especially, and I really feel like here in Alberta, we are undoing the steps of recon- reconciliation. Hmm. And I think that we have a responsibility to ensure, even in the, the way that it's taught in schools, uh, even in high school, it's barely mentioned. And that's a big problem, especially for Indigenous youth who are sitting there. It's literally the government spitting in their face saying that we're not recognizing this. And I think that it's important for us to recognize what's happening. So that, you know, and by the way, people are going to say, well, there's going to be no bigger expert, no greater expert on this show right now, either as an audience member or a panelist on what's being taught in high schools than the person that was in high school last year. Right, Haroon? 
Yes. <laughs> yeah, there you go. All right. We're going to be back to our panelists in just a second. Wanted to remind you that the team at uh, Kubi Energy uh, every single Monday brings us positive reflections and we continue to receive amazing submissions from you. Your good news stories. What's making you smile? We want to hear those stories. Want to see those photos sent into talk at ryanjesperson.com. Make sure you note it's for positive reflections. Kubi Energy only hires certified journeyman electricians that means that whether they're doing your home your residential or your commercial installation in british columbia or alberta they've got offices in kamloops and in edmonton you can have the confidence knowing that the installers know what they're doing they're tesla certified plus they handle all the paperwork they take all of the sort of annoying elements out of advancing your solar capabilities, including, by the way, some of those bursaries you can get, some of some, some of those rebates that you can qualify for four grand right now. If you're watching this from Edmonton, the city will shoot your way. If you install solar with Kubi Energy, check out their website by linking to the sponsors tab at ryanjesperson.com. Got a couple of messages yesterday, photos from Real Talkers. I love these. Keep sending them my way. Make sure you hashtag Real Talk RJ. You've joined Clean Air Club and you're letting me know that your family's going to save money and breathe easier. Saw a photo yesterday from somebody that just showed me their front porch. They'd had their new furnace filters delivered right to the door right after they signed up. They said they couldn't be more happy to be on track and on schedule with doing something as important as changing their furnace filter. You can do the same thing at cleanairclub.ca. And of course, we wanted to remind you that if you use the promo code 2021-REALTALK, at parkpower.ca, you're going to save 70 bucks on your commercial or residential bill for natural gas, electricity, or internet. Park Power takes 10% of their profits and they put them right back into the community to the nonprofits that need the most. It's that profit sharing model, I think, that has a lot of people taking their business to Park Power, a proud sponsor of the Real Talk RJ hashtag. That's the hashtag that we're keeping an eye on here. Uh, Real Talk RJ is our hashtag on Twitter. I love Genevieve Oliver is, uh, or pardon me, I think it's Genevieve Olivier. Uh, I better be careful. Adache is here. I better mind my French. Uh, Genevieve Olivier says, these kids are amazing. I don't know if they're they K- are. K- Kaylin Kufajak is uh, 22 years of age, is 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 the elder of our roundtable panel here. Uh, I don't know at what point we I remember Kaylin watching hockey. We, we stopped calling Sidney Crosby Sid the kid at about 26. I think he was he, he had a couple Stanley Cups about 26. We stopped calling him a kid. What's the protocol for you? Would you say? Um, as 22 <laughs> years old, I don't know if I'd be called an elder, but like if I go to America, I can have a nice cocktail. So like I consider myself an adult now. Yeah, there you go. I remember it's it's sort of like, you know, you can get your driver's license and then you can vote. And if you choose to drink, you can drink and then you can drink in the States and then you can rent a car. Those are always kind of the mile markers mm-hmm. for me in, in my late teens. Yeah. Um, uh, Aditya Veshveshvaran and uh, and rounding out our panel, of course, this morning, Harun Ali. And I want to get to our live chat in just a second. The reason that we're all talking is that numbers are out showing that young people are in fact leaving Alberta not that they might leave Alberta they are leaving Alberta and and it's a problem uh, for obvious reasons um, Harun you're in an interesting position because you're seeking a spot on Edmonton City Council you're currently studying at UVic now distance learning of course still but but were it to be a normal uh, you know if we took pandemic out of the equation you'd be on beautiful Vancouver Island right now is your commitment 
to living in Alberta, and I always used to hate this when I was, a, a, you know, in my late teens, people, would, you know, what do you want to do with your life? Where are you going to go? What are you going to I'm going, just let me live my life, man. But, but your commitment, <laughs> obviously, if you win a seat on council, you're staying. Uh, other than that, yes. let's say you have a you run a great campaign. Let's say you come a close second. It's a heartbreaker. Then what? I am still going to stay in Alberta. Yeah. But one of the reasons why I ended up leave, I wanted to, I, I applied to the University of Victoria, which because after the liberals were uh, sweeped out of Alberta, I kind of lost hope. And I feel like that was a mistake on my half because I think that we, here, especially here in Edmonton, we have, a, we have the ability to make our future. So I really think that that's one of the reasons why I decided to run for council. And that's one of the reasons why I am going to stay I'm going to stay in Edmonton, even if I do don't. I'm not, I'm not successful in this election. Yeah, Adicha, for for you, uh, I mean, I guess you know. I, I think even just as a broadcaster, for me, um, you know, you take a look at the at the young talent in the country, and if you're bilingual, most especially if you're fluent in French, the opportunities, uh, like I, I don't know if they double, but they probably almost double and there are many tools that someone can have in their toolkit that, that would be that would make them appealing when it comes to a competitive job market most especially some of the jobs you'd really want to go after you are very employable let me say do you consider yourself if i could use a sports analogy would you consider yourself to be an unrestricted free agent in other words you know will move for hire I have no clue how sports work. <laughs> so, let's just let's uh, just say you can go wherever you want. Nobody has a hold on you for any okay. reason. Um, I would say, yeah, I agree with that. I would go anywhere where I feel there is a calling. So, but I would like to stay in Alberta. I see that there are like, um, there have been demands for francophone education. There, there is a growing demand for it. Um, Alberta is after Quebec and New Brunswick, I believe is our, our uh, Francophonie Albertaine is the largest in Canada. And so the community here is vibrant. It is thriving. Um, so there, it, there are tons of reasons to stay, but there are also reasons to leave. So it is something to, to consider in the future. Kaylin, it was interesting uh, paying, following the conversation around, uh, you know, the exodus of, of some health professionals out of Alberta earlier this year. And that trend continues. I know uh, firsthand my doctor left. He's my age. Uh, my wife's doctor left and our little guy's pediatrician left three for three in our family alone. That's all the anecdotal evidence that I need. Uh, we've had guests on this show. Dr. Amy Tam immediately comes to mind. She moved her practice uh, to the West Coast as well. Uh, some of some of the naysayers, some of the people that questioned whether or not, and I'm talking specifically health professionals, uh, some of the people that said this isn't going to happen, they're not going to actually leave, would point to things like overheated housing markets in cities like Vancouver and Toronto. You've got a really interesting perspective, number one, because uh, you're somebody that moved to a city with an overheated housing market, number two, because you're an urban planner. So you've got a real uh, working knowledge of, of what drives cities and how cities grow and how cities are built. How much does something like cost of living factor into a decision like you made to move to an entirely different province? Yes, absolutely. Affordability is something that is crucial to our decisions on where to move, especially as young people when we don't really have the disposable income or ability to uh, up what we're paying for cost of living, especially when you know you have student loans or uh, you just 
aren't able to get that really high paying job right away or anything like that. And so, of course, that's going to be a big factor. Um, I think we actually took advantage of an opportunity that came out of COVID-19 with a lot of people moving out of city centers. Uh, so right now in Vancouver, there's a lot of rental vacancies and it's almost turning into a buyer's market. So we were able to get uh, one month free when we came in and our rent here actually isn't too much higher than it was in Edmonton living downtown. Um, so that affordability question was less of a um, factor that made us not want to be moving here. So um, that was good. However, I will also say like affordability isn't just about housing markets. It's also about uh, cost of living and other things like childcare. So when I hear that the BC government is making an affordable childcare program that would allow you to, you know, have $10 day daycare when I have kids in the future, um, and that our education system is being funded well, and post-secondary tuitions are lower if I want to go back for my master's, like all of those things come into consideration when I'm thinking about an affordable place to live. I've got an interesting I'm just taking a look at our hashtag right now Real Talk RJ uh, Greg is watching from Calgary Greg good morning to you he says I'm listening to young professional uh, Kaylin Kufajanakis on Jesperson describe why she moved from Alberta to Vancouver and it's kind of heartbreaking uh, he says one of the reasons is mobility choice more walking more transit less driving around these are things we can change Kaylin you know that because you plan cities uh th th that's an area of your passion that's an area of, of your profession would you agree with greg is this, are these changes that cities can make i noticed that the minute that haroon brought up bike lanes we had some people chirping bike lanes in the in in the chat right away uh kaylin how much of, of of this is 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 greg bang on about mobility absolutely and that was one of the things that I really didn't like living in Edmonton is that even living in the downtown core, it was really hard to get around without a car. And we did have a car in Edmonton because it felt like we had to, but we got rid of the car before moving to Vancouver. And it really has been great to know, you know, I have four grocery stores within a 10 minute walk of my house and there's transit that goes to any of the kind of outskirt areas. And I mean, as a young person, I know that Edmonton can get there, but the fact that it's going to take, you know, 30 or 40 years just to get the next few lines of the LRT built and that bike lanes are such a hot button issue that in order for bike lanes to even happen and make us feel safe biking around downtown Edmonton and areas around it, um, it wasn't worth it for me to wait. Although I will say that, like, I totally appreciate and commend people like Haroon who are staying and investing in Edmonton because it needs young people who want to do that. Oh, to say the least, uh, a graphic designer, Patrick Wu, is watching right now. He says this youth panel is mandatory viewing. Uh, says you want to know why young people are leaving this province? Actually, listen to them to tell you the reasons why. Uh, Logan on our live chat. Um, by the way, I'm, I want to note uh, this is specifically to viewer Trevor Mark. Uh, Trevor reached out to me yesterday to let me know how much he absolutely hated the fact that we were referring to the live chat as the chatterbox. Sam, he just couldn't get over it. He said, "You can't call it." He he was he he was he's like, "What are you?" He said, "You're a boomer. You sound like you just discovered the internet for the first time." No more calling it the chatterbox, said Trevor Mark. 
No. But this is, I'm just. <laughs> the Chatterbox is a great name. This is, I thought it was a pretty I good name. I love the Chatterbox. Oh, hey. Yeah, there well, we go. See? Young people, well, Trevor Mark. All right. Well, let me Thank tell you. you Kevin. L- let me tell you what they're saying on the Chatterbox then, everybody. Um, this from Logan. <laughs> and Haroon, this one's coming to you. Uh, Logan says, young people are facing the question, why stay in Alberta when you can move a province over and leap ahead a decade when it comes to social progress, healthcare, investment in education, and more. So Haroon, you're talking to somebody hypothetically, or maybe not, in Montreal <laughs> or, or Toronto or Halifax or Vancouver or, or Saskatoon or wherever. And you say, you know, you really should consider moving to Alberta. What's the argument you make for your home province right now? Edmonton has been the home of so many different businesses. We've been the home to Boston Pizza and Telus. And I think that we have the opportunity and we have the opportunity to become a tech center. However, and I think, and I really do think that Edmonton, we have a great amount of youth diversity and we, we are an amazing city. That's the argument I would make. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Would you, Aditya, you're kind of, you know, you're kind of, you're in an interesting position as you've outlined to us. Would you, would you, uh, I mean, I feel like I can make my own arguments for Alberta. What would yours be? Or would you be inclined to make them? Um, mine are, I am an avid runner and I live very, very close to, uh, the river Valley. So I'll often just, um, leave the house like out of the blue and I'll go running for like three hours straight. And every time I discover something new down in the river Valley, um, it's been one of the things that's been keeping me sane during the quarantine. Uh, also the people are super duper kind, um, very warm people. I met Kaylin here. Kaylin and I are like super duper good friends. Ah. Um, I will be attending her wedding. Um, wow. Shortly. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, Haroon and I met on the youth council too. So, uh, it just shows that Edmonton is such a, it's a community and not just a city. And I think that's one of the things that I will miss if I do end up leaving one day. Well, okay. So there's this, 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 what a small world, this let's, let's talk about the youth council. What, who's drawn to the youth council? What did you learn? What did you take from, from your participation there? Um, the Youth Council is an advisory board here in Edmonton um, that serves um, youth ages 13 to 23, and we represent their voices and kind of bring forward, amplified their voices when it comes to issues pertaining to them in, in Edmonton. Um, I totally repeated myself there, but uh, yeah, so Kaylin was chair two years ago. I was chair last year. Haroon's been on the Youth Council and very involved for the last two to three years. So we've all been connected through the Youth Council um, I, just going back to the question about Indigenous youth, that's been something that we've, we need to work on more on Youth Council. With, in all honesty, we've been lacking um, and making sure that Indigenous youth are welcome to the table and feel like they have a place at the table. So this year, um, we need to, we need to, we are looking at how can we make sure that Indigenous people, Indigenous youth specifically, um, are welcomed at the table and feel safe to to amplify their own voices and their own needs. Uh, I appreciate Blake uh, Desjardins uh, watching the show today says this is just a great conversation happening. He says we're just scratching the surface on indigenous youth justice. Uh, we must immediately put into place medium and long term solutions for youth transitioning. In other words, aging out of government care says we must end the cycle of violence and, and give our youth a real chance. You know, there are, there are so many stories 
you know, Blake makes a great point. Uh, young people transitioning out of government care, even things like changing funding, you know, people that could receive funding until age 24 now to 22 or was it 22 to 20? I think it was the previous 24 to 22. I mean, these these are types of things that are relatively speaking small government policy in the sense of what I mean by that. You know, people aren't necessarily the general population, maybe unaware of it or not paying attention to it, but it has huge ramifications and huge impacts on people and on people's quality of life and on people's access to to equity, you know, when it comes to opportunity. Um, Haroon, you're, you're you're setting yourself to be a policymaker. I mean, that's what you want to do. Um, but there are other ways, of course, for people to get involved, right? Aside from just maybe serving on city council or or serving on a community league. Who do you surround yourself with? I mean, you, you mentioned your parents and the impact that they had on you. Um, and you're not allowed to complain. You're not allowed to be lazy and you got to be a doer. But what's your friend circle like? Who influences you and who do you influence? Oh, my friend circle is we are a very little political group. I think that we love talking. We always chat about politics. We chat about policy. We chat about different things that we can do here in Edmonton. And more so, we just, yeah, we just generally talk about things that we can do in Alberta. And what would you say? What are some of the the recurring points? What keeps coming up in conversation? Uh, The bike lane infrastructure in Edmonton, walkability, uh, transit, and our police; those are the most; those are the mo- four most subjects that come up in conversations all the time, because we are we need to do better at them. So, Kaylin, when you're talking about planning cities or designing communities, is is a lot of what Haroon's saying? Uh, I mean, is that textbook wisdom when it comes to uh, sort of the, the bedrock of what makes for a healthy community? Absolutely, uh, a healthy community is built on its roads and its buildings and its infrastructure, but it's also built on the social programming and supports that a community has. The ability for people to connect within their community, to feel safe, a place where policing doesn't just come down to law enforcement, it also includes mental health supports, and that is a predominant part of it. You know, Edmonton has had a lot of challenges recently with uh, things happening, we've seen it in the news, um, where people don't feel safe in their own community, and that's really sad to me. And I mean, it's not just Edmonton, it's everywhere. In Canada, we all have a lot of work to do to move towards reconciliation and racial justice. And those things are incredibly important to build a city and to make young people feel like that's a place that they feel welcomed, appreciated, included, and are able to contribute to in the future. Aditya, you you referenced earlier, um, you know, racism and uh, some, some of the issues that we see and, and many of the issues that exist that we don't see. Uh, we hear a lot about passive racism and a lot of institutional racism. And, and I think that we're, as a society, starting to talk about so we're, we're taking a look at some of our institutions. Uh, we're taking a look at you know, Canadian forces and, and policing. I mean, Calgary's fire department right now is having a, a difficult conversation. We're at least starting to have these conversations. Uh, do you think that Alberta I'm not I'm not going to uh, I wouldn't accept the idea that racism is 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 solely uh, an issue in Alberta. I think that we have a national issue. There's obviously issues outside of Canada as well. But when you when you have this conversation about Alberta, are there are there any ways in which Alberta is unique, not in a good way, uh, which would be issues where you think we need to start addressing this? Um, I think the fact that Alberta is often um, referred to as the Texas of Canada that it 
it speaks to itself, um, not in a good way. Uh, and it, it's, Alberta is unique in that, like, I think all, some of the Western provinces, aside from British Columbia, I'm not going to name any of them specifically, but um, white supremacist groups feel very emboldened to proudly claim that they are part of these groups. And that can make um, people of color, Indigenous Black folk, like they don't feel comfortable at all. Um, we heard here in Edmonton of that hijabi woman who's um, who is attacked violently or several hijabi women here in Edmonton being attacked and things like that. There, there's It's that these people feel so comfortable to go out and commit these acts of hate against other members of our own community. And I think that's that, yes, it's happening all over the country, um, but here in Alberta, it feels maybe it's because it's home um, that it feels that it, it hurts more or it's more visible. But yeah, that, that's just the surface of it. This is uh, I, I mean, we're, we're getting amazing responses here. I can't stay on top of them all. I always try to weave audience response into the conversation. But the, the, the uh, I'm going to call it the chatterbox without apology. It, it's just it's ticking and ticking and ticking and ticking. So I'm trying to keep up with it. But but this one on our on Twitter is but jumping might, out might at it me. Might it be chattering? It, it's chattering. Yeah. Uh, John McDougal says <laughs> John, John McDougal uh, tweets at us and he says, I'm old enough. Uh, to be a grandfather uh, to these three young people. But the wisdom of their words is are are some of the exact same reasons that I, too, often feel like leaving Alberta. That from John McDougall. So I think some of these issues, it would be foolish to suggest or be naive to suggest anyway that they're limited to young people. uh, But young people leaving is the biggest problem. Uh, It's it's not necessarily uh, I mean, if, if if older people or people in the autumns of their lives uh, leaving was such a huge problem, we'd find a way to stop the snowbird trend. We've not stopped that. Uh, but young people leaving is a bigger deal. Um, as we wrap our conversation here, I, I want to ask each of you to give us something to think about, you know, of, of, with regards to everybody involved in this conversation today, the four of us and then our audience and the people that will hear this later. You will be the three of you among the youngest But we know that you're going to reach a lot of other young audience members, and you're also going to help us older audience members participate in a perspective check. So, Haroon, let's start with you. Give us something to walk with over this weekend and into next week, something that we need to consider when we're taking a look at this trend and trying to figure out how we can convince young people to move here and stay here. I think that we can't lose hope. I think that's something that's really big here at Edmonton is that we need to ensure that we are not losing hope in our, in our youth, in our future, because the second that we lose hope in our future, I, I think we're screwed <laughs> to put it in like terms because we do need to invest in Edmonton's future. And that's a clap. That's just not youth. That's everyone. This is going to be home of everyone. And I think that we need to work towards that goal, ensuring that everyone can live here. Yeah. I want to read you something before we move on, Haroon. Uh, I, I see a tweet here from JBM who says, Hey, Haroon, you're doing great on Jespo today. I'm very impressed and I support you and I'm grateful that you're running and I'll be sending a donation to your campaign very shortly. So there you go, Haroon. You got at least one campaign supporter here. Now you're going to now you're going to find a way. You know, you got to reach out to JBM and say, here's how you can volunteer. Right. You know all about that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Adich, yeah. Let me ask. Let me ask you something to give. Give us a, you know some takeaway here. Give us a call to action, something to think about and consider. Um, as an education student. I think that's a, our future. If we're talking about young people, we can't 
not talk about education and their upbringing, what we teach them. Um, if our education is based solely on ideology and industry, are we truly feeding our young minds with talent and passion to do what they really want to do? Um, are we driving them away? Is it our education system in the end that's pushing them away and not, not them, not them. It's not their fault. They want to leave. Um, so I tried to phrase, phrase all of those as questions just to not stuff my own think like thoughts on it, but there we go. You yeah. are you are a panelist on a roundtable. You you can you can assault us with your opinions at any given time. We've invited you to do so. It, did you leave something on that? You want to circle back and hit us with a hard opinion? You're more than welcome to do so, my friend. <laughs> um, I, I think it, it just education. It's a priority. Yeah. It's 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 we need to focus on it, and it, it is really what our next generation is going to. It is how future Albertans will be. Um, program to think. Um, and so we need to teach them the right values, teach them that residential schools were something that Alberta had, um, teach them our past with the KKK, everything, little things like here in Edmonton, names of people like Oliver. Um, those are things that need to change. Those we can't just hush, hush, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Very well said. And, and, and you hit the nail on the head. Kaylin, this means the last word goes to you. <laughs> awesome. Well, this has been a fantastic conversation. And I think something we haven't touched on too much is the fact that if you want young people to stay somewhere, prioritize climate resilience and action on climate change. Show us that you care about our generation, our children, their children, so on and so on, because we're inheriting a world that is not set up to be sustainable. And we need action from a policy perspective, corporately, as well as things that each individual can do, such as, you know, composting and separating our trash. But it's not just those individual actions. It's the big policies that government can put in place to make us feel like you really do care about the climate and our futures. Appreciate that. Hey, Haroon, who's who's Mrs. Kubiski? Uh Oh, she was one of my teachers. <laughs> <laughs> Mrs. Kubiski's yes. watching and she says, Haroon, she says, I'm not surprised you're here doing what you're gifted at, which is inspiring people. That from Mrs. Kubiski, who's a proud former teacher of yours this morning. How does that make you feel? It makes me feel great. Thank you, Ms. Kubiski. I really appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. Uh, that's uh, Haroon Ali, uh, a 17-year-old uh, seeking a spot on Edmonton's City Council. Kaylin Kufajnak is uh, joining us from Vancouver, where she's an urban planner uh, working with Stantec Consulting and Aditya Vishveshvaran, uh, a student originally uh, out of Winnipeg who moved to Alberta back in 2013. Thank you to the three of you. Mad respect. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having us. Real talkers, I'm, I'm curious to know what you make of the conversation you just had. I, I, I see that we've got some complaints and some gripes, which is fine. Um, you know, I, I see some people saying this is a very Edmonton centric panel. I, we, we had panelists, uh, one that grew up in Winnipeg, one that lives here and one that's in Vancouver. So I don't know how that is. Uh, you know, say we need more representation from Calgary and rural areas. Sure. I mean, we could have a roundtable with 19 people on it. We could see how it goes. I think that we represent I think we crossed a lot of spectrums there. And I'm really grateful for those perspectives. Uh, those three just remarkable young people wanted to let you know if you're looking to upgrade uh, the gear that you're running, the tech gear that you're running right now, the team at Westworld can 
computers. I mean, they've got all the new stuff, the MacBooks and the iPads and the, the iPhones and everything else, but they also have certified and they, they tack on an extra warranty on them, gently used pre-owned gear. I mean, all the computers, the big iMacs, like the one that Sam uses, they reload the original software. They make sure that it's, Sam just loves. He's, he's I was going to say you're the Vanna White. That might be a bit of a dated and insulting reference. Not that there's anything wrong with Vanna White. I don't know about dated insulting. I think it's a good touch point. It's, it's meant to be a it's, yeah. it's a compliment. People people understand what you mean when you say that. Yes. Yes. Thank you very so. much. Or maybe maybe you could be like one of the prices right guys. Or like either that or I'm, you know, I'm I'm showing that I'm not a young person and I actually get the reference. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. No people do young young people know who Vanna White is? Probably not. Yeah. Is Vanna White still around? I have no idea. Anyway, Westworld Computers, as we were saying. They've been in business, family-owned for more than 40 years, and whether it's new or pre-owned that you're looking for, they've got you covered. Make sure you go check them out. The team at Alta Moving and Storage wants to be there for you. If you're planning on undertaking what can be a completely stressful exercise, it doesn't have to be. That's moving. They've got these pod-style containers. They drop them off wherever you need it, and then at your leisure, on your time frame, you load them up. They move it to the new location. They can provide movers if you need it. All the resources are there, even those eco-friendly frog boxes. That's kind of the new moving box. Plus, of course, short and long-term storage, proudly locally owned and operated, the team at Alta Moving and Storage. We are going to get... um, I'm trying to decide if I'm going to have some fun with this thing. Uh, Have you noticed that the guy that... The answer is always yes. Yeah. I don't know, because you got to find... Sometimes, like... You know, shows have to press on with the content and the plan, regardless of some of the chirping that's going on around them. And then sometimes it's fun to just acknowledge something. So so Trevor Mark yesterday was so unhappy with with us calling the, the live chat chatterbox. And now he's unhappy with how he's being characterized on his complaint around calling it chatterbox. He says I was a little too hyperbolic. Um, Trevor Mark is officially the highest maintenance real talker in the history of real talk <laughs> by a mile. He complains about the small things, and then he complains about how I talk about his complaint. <laughs> but Trevor, you're still welcome here, and we love you. As a matter of fact, I'd even buy you a beer sometime so you could get it all off your chest. We're going to be talking to Andre Domis in just a little bit about what on earth is going on with Wall Street and how Reddit is turning everything upside down. But before we get to our live conversation, I wanted to show his TikTok. Now, Sam, you've been so kind to do a little video editing for me because these were separate pieced up videos, but it's about five minutes, but it's worth it. It's really worth it. Now, this is uh, not for kids, okay? (laughs) There's some salty language here, uh, as there probably should be for somebody that's looking to put a little punch power and emphasize a few things that demand to be emphasized. So here's uh, our guest. He's going to be joining us live in about 10 minutes explaining what on earth is going on. Let's take a look. So what the fuck is going on with GameStop? So it turns out there's more than one way to lose your shirt at GameStop and Wall Street fucked around and found out. This is actually hilarious to me. So most people think that playing at the stock market means that you buy shares low and you sell high, yada, 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 you make money, which is true, but there are multiple ways to make money trading. One of those is what's called a short call option. So I can't get into all the intricacies, but I'll say that a short call option is selling somebody else the option to purchase those shares at an agreed upon price within a certain time limit. So let's say I've got shares in a company called, I don't know, Stamgop, and they're worth $50 right now, but I think that within a month's time, they're gonna drop down to say $25. But then there's somebody else who believes that the stock is going to rise above $55. 
So we create an options contract where that person has the option to buy the stock from me at $55 per share at any point within a month's time. And the cost of that options contract is $3 per share. So since I have 100 shares to sell, he purchases the option at $3 per share. Therefore, I make $300 right off the top. Easy peasy, right? Oh, okay, so here's where things get a little bit hairy. As the seller of that option, I'm making $300 off the top. And if the stock doesn't go up in price, I'm okay. But if it does go up in price, I'm fucked. Why? Because, I don't know, if that stock like doubles or triples or quadruples or goes up like eightfold in a month, then the person who purchased that option is going to exercise that option. So if my $55 stock is now like $1,000, that means I have to sell that stock to the person who purchased the options contract for $55 per share, which means that's $100,000 in stock that I'm selling for $5,500. And once you add the, I don't know, $300 profit that I made from selling that options contract in the first place, on paper, I've just lost $94,200. Now, this doesn't happen all that often because stock values don't fluctuate like that, usually not within a, such a short period of time. So a bunch of people on Reddit were able to find out companies that had short positions in GameStop, hedge fund companies, the fucking scum of the earth, absolute parasites. And what hedge fund companies love to do is use their short positions to exert what's called downward pressure on company stock prices. So a retail company like GameStop, which is in distress, like almost all retail companies are in distress because we're in the middle of a pandemic, has seen some downward pressure on their share price. And when you have a bunch of hedge fund companies that are taking that short position, i.e. expecting the share price to fall, that indicates to the rest of the market, hey, hang on a second, this company might actually fail. Let's all get on on the action. And what oftentimes happens when companies are seeing their share prices being driven farther and farther and farther down is that larger companies like, I don't know, Bain Capital, like private equity firms, come in and snap them up on the cheap. But the Reddit edgelords were, were not having that. So a slew of investors from a trading subreddit did the exact opposite. They actually dumped money into the stock to inflate its value. At the beginning of the year, GameStop was worth about uh, $20 a share. At the end of trading on Tuesday, the 26th of January, it's worth about $148 a share, which causes problems for the hedge fund companies because a lot of the money that they use to play this game is not theirs. It's borrowed money. That's called leveraging. So you come into this game with a combination of investor money and credit, and the idea was that you're going to make money off the falling of this stock's value, but instead it went the opposite direction. Not only are you not making money, you're ass out. You actually owe people money. And for a company called Melvin Capital, it was fucking catastrophic. They had to call in for $2.75 billion in investor help to bail their asses out. And it doesn't stop there. The Redditors have been doing the exact same thing with AMC, that is the theater company, and with Blackberry and Bed Bath & Beyond, which is hilarious to me at least because they're exposing the three-card Monty game that is Wall Street and The Ringers, which is business news media. None of these suit-wearing motherfuckers accounted for the fact that Redditors could meme multi-billion dollar hedge funds into possible insolvency. And on the other side of the coin, some of these Redditors have made literally millions of dollars off of this strategy. Which is exactly why I'm never going to recommend that anybody try to do this, because you could lose your shirt. You could literally fucking lose everything. Because when the share value of these companies comes back down to earth, and at some point they do have to come back to some sort of like reasonable insane level, then anybody who bought into this at their inflated price is going to take a paper loss. I mean, that's just the reality of it. But the important lesson here is that they've shown that none of this is real. Like the financialization of companies, the outside investing, the private capital, all that stuff, the hedge firms. It's 
bullshit. These hedge fund companies were basically depending on GameStop to sicken and slowly die over the course of this pandemic, and what the Redditors instead is almost like shoving a grenade down a vulture's throat. Because when those options expire, and they will expire soon, they will be like eight or nine times what they were in the first place at that original roughly $20 per share, meaning literally tens of billions of dollars on a lost bet. So for the Redditors playing this game, good on you, you mad lads you, hope you know what you're doing, I hope you're not going to take some like catastrophic losses, I, I, I hope you're okay, I honestly hope that you really thought about this ahead of time, and that whatever you possibly end up losing is worth taking these companies down. And to the hedge fund parasites that are eating your own faces right now, I hope you fucking choke. I hope you never recover from this. I hope they sell your furniture in the streets. Anyway, yeah, so that's how all of that worked. I hope it made sense. If it doesn't, feel free to hit me up with any questions. Peace. Uh, <laughs> wow. Like, if you, that is an incredible <laughs> explanation of what went on. Yeah, it, it, like, and putting that together, I had, I had to watch it probably about six times yesterday, but uh, I loved every second. I, okay, this might be one of my favorite stories. I don't want to say ever, but certainly of this year. Like, it's just, I mean, this very virgin, weird 2021 year, all of a sudden, like, <laughs> Redditors have jumped onto Wall Street and said, hey, we can play this game too. It's and beat them massive. at their own game. Like, now, it's just. I love this. There's a bunch of different interpretations of this. And, and Andre Domis, who's going to join us live in just a second here, uh, the guy that just laid it out in, in amazing, all oh, you suit wearing motherfuckers. I love <laughs> he's he's going to join us. But the, but it's but he also points out that like a lot of people right now are holding this stock at a super inflated value. So, you know, some of the experts that are watching this are saying, um, depending on who you are, it's it, it has the potential to be very entertaining. Uh, for a lot of people are infuriated. Obviously, a lot of people have lost a ton of dough obviously and then there's the whole Robin Hood story and companies jumping in and people are talking about how there's corruption everywhere and rampant so there's a lot of angles to this a lot of elements to this let's get a sense let's let's just take a look at the stock action this will give us a sense of, of what we're talking about here and the impact that Redditors had on the overall game so here you have GameStop Corp this is the view this is what I think this is the six month view right yeah here we go so this shows us from like August September 2020 through till now so you can see what that stock action looks like let's take a look I think we have what a six day view or something like that a five day view you can see the stock even there just massive it's when we go to the the one day view now I'll note I captured this this is based on yesterday's closing and the numbers down like look at this through the course of a day uh, opened at what is that 265 a high of over four 80 uh, a low of uh, of 112 i mean this is all over the map this is not the time to get in on gamestop there's a lot of risk involved in getting in right now that reddit tweet is hilarious did you see this somebody pointed out that reddit has twitter but twitter doesn't have reddit i thought that was interesting reddit tweeting i can't wait to explain this week to my therapist i thought that was pretty funny do we have if, if Andre's not with us yet? I don't think he's OK. Yet, why don't we why don't we tee this up as well? Because there's a there's a lot of great uh, video content out there of people putting their own stamps, their own interpretations on this. I want to roll a few of these. So first of all, if you've seen the movie, The Big Short, you probably remember the scene. It's a memorable one with Margot Robbie and she's in the tub. She's in the jetted tub. She's got the bubbly. And she's explaining uh, the, the mortgage crisis. She's explaining. So here, here's a scene. This is context is important because I'm going to show you something from Trevor Noah in just a moment. But here's Margot Robbie in the big short. Basically, Louis. 
Swiss Rain Aries mortgage bonds were amazingly profitable for the big banks. They made billions and billions on their 2% fee they got for selling each of these bonds. But then they started running out of mortgages to put in them. After all, there are only so many homes and so many people with good enough jobs to buy them, right? So the banks started filling these bonds with riskier and riskier mortgages. Thank you, Banjo. That way, they can keep that profit machine churning, right? By the way, these risky mortgages are called subprime. So whenever you hear subprime, think shit. Okay, so that's Margot Robbie in the tub in the big short. Now here's Trevor Noah playing off that a little bit. This is a great edit, updating this to fit this story here in 2021. Here he is. Basically, there's a group of people on Reddit who don't use the stock market to invest. They use it to gamble. And yeah, that's what a lot of serious investors do too. But these guys on Reddit are more honest about it. And they love to troll the people who aren't. So there's a store called GameStop that sells video games. Not a great business to be in since games can be downloaded now. Which is why the serious investors decided to short GameStop, which means to bet against it. But the Redditors are gamers who have a semi-ironic love for the store. So they started making memes encouraging each other to punish the serious people by buying worthless GameStop stocks. Now instead of failing, GameStop is succeeding wildly. Not really, of course, not as a business. But <laughs> come on, stocks are never real. The serious people have already lost $5 billion and some giant hedge funds have gone bankrupt. Got it? Good. Now, let's get out Margot Robbie's bathroom before she gets home and ask me what I'm doing here. The last time she caught me here was a bit awkward. <laughs> so there's Trevor Noah explaining this all, which is absolutely fantastic. Um, we're going to be checking in with Andre Domis in just a moment. Uh, this is a great opportunity for us to pay a couple of our bills and remind you that if you're looking for... Uh, I know they don't use this slogan anymore, but I always loved it. Hot eats, cool treats. Uh, the teams at Dairy Queen of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park right now at those six locations and those six locations only offering up dilly bars on a two for one deal exclusively for real talkers. So here's the deal. Some some poor sucker ahead of you uh, picks up two boxes of six dilly bars, 12 dilly bars in total, the real weekend 12 pack and walks up to the counter and doesn't say a word. They're probably going to pay full price. I mean, there may be a charitable Dairy Queen employee, but they're probably going to pay full price. You walk up and you go, real talk, and boom, 50% off your total. Two for one, 12 dilly bars for the price of six at the Dairy Queens in Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park. And don't forget, they have dairy-free dilly bars there. So you've got no reason to not head over there today. The team at Grand Dog Essentials wants your business and they've had ours for years. As a family, we've been proud customers of Grand Dog's quality raw food. We trust them. We feed our family members, Moses, our boxer, Monroe, our lab with the quality raw food. It's sourced and produced in central Alberta by a master butcher and his team. Raw food provides natural, real nutrition with no filler and no preservatives. And right now, if you go to granddog.ca and use the promo code REALTALK, they're going to knock 10% off your first time order. Now, here's the beauty of this. They deliver to your doorstep, whether you're watching from Calgary, whether you're watching from central Alberta, right around Red Deer or in Edmonton. 
person. They're happy to provide that service to you again at granddog.ca. Make sure you use the promo code, the discount code, REALTALK. Sam, why don't we get... I, I know I, I don't want to just roll video after video because uh, I know that we, we've got we some... We can do that. We, we got lots of good video. There's There was so much going on because this is, I think, subject matter that most people, myself included, get a little bit lost on when you start talking about, you know, shorts and options and, and you know, how the stock market works and some of the nitty gritty of what hedge funds do to, to generate billions of dollars in revenue without actually seeing stocks move that much, not based on their investment so much as some of the gambles that they're taking. The majority of us probably don't really understand. And I'm not saying that we're going to understand it any better after this next video, but it's worth a laugh. This was one of the more popular ones we saw in the last 24 hours. So I have been seeing a lot of people online who are like, what is going on with the stock market? Is there anyone who can explain this in normal person terms? And so I decided I want to do that because like I own stocks. So I like have a pretty good understanding of the stock market. And from what I understand, there are these people who are they have lots of money and they have hedges around their house and they go to the market but it's like not a real market it's a metaphor it's metaphorical but it's real and they um they go uh uh oh that that company is not doing well, so I want to. I'm gonna make it do worse. So they um, they pull out some papers and they go, who want uh, who wants to make a deal? They start making deals and they say if the if this price if this company's good if it stays if it goes down then I get money from you and if it goes up then I'll give you money but uh they don't tell you that it's not it's not gonna go up I mean they will make it so it goes down but then there was this online reading club that was like oh, well not today we want hedges too and so they took they um went into their bank accounts and then they also went to the market and they were like uh bye 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 of the company and uh changed it a lot and so now uh the initial people the hedges have to um give oh they have to give their hedges i think to the, um, the other people So, yeah, if you have any questions, just let me know. <laughs> okay, so hopefully that helps. It's all about hedges. It's all about hedges. It's all about and hedges. People if you have can have hedges on your house, you're, lots, you've got it made. You have lots of money, and they yeah. go to... Uh, Cameron's watching this morning. He says, uh, I bought 250 bucks uh, worth of GameStop yesterday. It's up 91%. Oh, Cameron, sell. Sell. <laughs> Cameron, I suspect, probably does know more about investing than, than I do, uh, but that's not saying much. And I think 91% sell. I should have sold my Aurora stock years ago. Sell. <laughs> Julie says, I'm just loving the GameStop coverage this morning on Real Talk. Says the whole story is mind blowing. Julie says, I just keep laughing and then being genuinely horrified at the amount of money involved here. Because there's a lot of shadiness going on as well, like a ton. 
there's, there's there's a whole bunch of shadiness here. And once you start digging into to Robin Hood and people that are preventing stocks from being traded in the whole nine yards, we're going to get into this. We'll cover it uh, again on Monday which kind of feels like an eternity from right now, considering where this story is going. Our guests will include the founder and CEO of Bitcoin. Well, the title sponsor of this show, Adams reached out and said, he said the, the impact of this on Bitcoin on crypto is, is wild. Um, Adam went on to say, basically it's shocking the level of corruption in legacy finance. Um, let me just, I'm going to check right now to see, let's see where Bitcoin's at right now. Uh, Bitcoin's up 13% right now, uh, trading at about 46 grand. So, Interesting. Ethereum is up about two and a half percent, trading at about seventeen fifty. So, um, yeah, the the impact on crypto. There, there's there's a wide ranging impact here. Can you call it Bridget Casey's tweet? This was one yesterday. Yesterday, she's doing a great job as well, um, making it sort of accessible, helping people understand this. You can check out her. I think it's called Money After Graduation on Instagram. But she says, you know, we all laughed when Generation Z used uh my canadians are going to say jespo generation z uh, used tiktok to sell out a trump convention do you remember that that was one of, that, that was, was an fantastic. that was an amazing story where trump's going we don't have we don't have enough room for all these people that want tickets there's a million people that applied to get tickets that it didn't occur to them even once <laughs> that there might be an issue she says we all laughed but she says you have seen nothing Social media can and does and will manipulate financial markets, among other things, this way. And the old hedge fund managers do not know what to do about it. Now, that might be funny. That might be entertaining, but it's also extremely concerning for like a million reasons. And so real talkers, I'm curious to know where you're at on this one. Um, I, I'd really like I think Monday is probably uh, going to give us a little bit more time to to maybe take a bird's eye view of this and see how this plays out. I'm curious to see where the stocks are going to close at today and where this story goes. Um, so, I mean, just I don't even know how to really like when you say we're going to make sense of a story like this. There's not you don't really make sense of a story like this. You just try to understand what's going on and then what's the impact that it has on the future. Right. I mean, that's that's basically what we're getting at. Um I think that maybe we're going to try to uh, maybe we'll bump Andre to Monday because um, it looks like maybe he's run into a scheduling conflict, uh, which means right now it's a great time to remind you that the team at Eden Landscaping and, and Sam will put you on a 90 second close watch for for, you know, what's coming up. 90 second close watch for, you know, little trash talk again. It, today's edition is NC 17. It's 18 plus today's trash talk. Uh, Real talkers, you are all kinds of fired up. But first, I want to mention the team at Eden Landscaping is ready to take on your project. Uh, yeah, they're not going to maybe break ground right now. They'll wait till it thaws, but now's a perfect time to check in with them on Zoom to allow them to tour your property using Google Earth. Isn't this wild? This this new age of technology and entrepreneurship and wow. Anyway, they've been at the game for 20 years, way before Google Earth existed, and they've been planning people's dream spaces, front, backyard, whatever, from upgrading your flower box game to a total overhaul. Maybe you're building your dream home and you want to go past what the builder's giving you. You can check out landscapeedmonton.ca if you want to see some of their crown jewels, some of the amazing work that they've done. And of course, you can contact them on their website. If you ever forget the website, just go to the sponsors tab at ryanjesperson.com. That's also where you'll find my man, 
Todd at Todd's Mechanical. Uh, Todd has a great story, built his career in the oil patch, but he wanted more time at home. He wanted more time with his family. So he had an idea that he could build Edmonton's best and most trusted plumbing and heating company. And that's exactly what he's done. Don't take my word for it. Read his online reviews. Todd's very proud of them. And he should be. If your furnace sounds like it's about to conk out, don't wait till it does. Now is not the time to mess around for the best plumbing service in Edmonton, including furnace repair. Call Todd's Mechanical at 780-499-7598. They also want to hear from you at Local Waste. Local Waste has been proudly family-owned and locally operating in Western Canada for more than a quarter century. They're going up against the big nameless faceless garbage guys and when it comes to waste management they've got current day modern solutions that work for you. They guarantee they can save you money too. All you have to do is give them a call. Chris or Lauren Labas here will take your call. Chris or Lauren at 780-242-9746 They say they love to talk trash and they love to talk trash so much that each and every Friday as we wrap our broadcast Local Waste presents Trash Talk! As mentioned, this is not for kids. Tanya chimes in. She says, anybody who has any knowledge of drug manufacturing and procuring knew there'd be delays and shortages with vaccines. They're complicated. They need to be meticulously manufactured. This isn't shit you whip up on Etsy. You can't breaking bad vaccine in your garage. You know why we're so anxious about vaccines? Because we've completely screwed up our COVID response across most of Canada. We've placed all of our hopes in the vaccine battle. Hope is not a plan. And then there's Alberta's health minister hijacking the David daily COVID briefing to complain about Ottawa. Says, Ryan, I know you enjoyed Doug Ford's firecracker up the yin-yang shtick, but it's all performance theater. We might as well send Tyler Shander to go yell at the Pfizer CEO on his driveway. They're distracting us from the ugly truth. I'm going to channel Jim Prentice, says Tanya. Look in the fucking mirror. The reason we're in this panicky mess is because we failed to bend the the curve you know where they're not lighting their hair on fire about vaccines new zealand australia taiwan basically countries that took this seriously from the very beginning we've demonstrated we don't have the guts we don't make tough calls we look to blame others i feel pretty low about this to be honest stuck in my office cave like i have been for 10 months that's where i am and thanks for letting me vent that from tanya how about this one this from robert who says this is from a conservative who has voted conservative my question to any separatist or group that suggests western canada go independent the land and assets belong to canada and don't even get me started on the indigenous elements here how do we believe we are entitled to all of this he says i get arguments about adjusting percentages or the equalizing formula but this other stuff doesn't make sense let's stomp it out that from robert a conservative voting conservative how about this from jan jan says ryan it's very much out of character for me to trash talk 
But Tyler Shandro's performance at the press briefing on Thursday made me so mad I'm diving into the local waste services dumpster. It's a dumpster dive from Jan. She says Tyler not just stood in the driveway, I mean the podium, and started taking huge swipes at the feds for not coming up with more vaccines. Not once did he ask Albertans to be more vigilant. It's always the other guy's fault with these people. And then in question period, he goes after the feds again, wants to see their contracts open up. Call the kettle black. WTF, says Jan. They won't release information about their involvement, their deal with Keystone XL. This is from Janet. A pissed off Albertan. And finally on Trash Talk, this from Wade says, I'm absolutely horrified at the incompetence I see with our provincial government firing the election commissioner, the earplug incident, the neighbor's driveway with the health minister, Bill 1, COVID-19 response, trying to steal and privatize Alberta parks, the recent traveling over the holidays, the 40-year-old coal legislation snapped, the sale of the eastern slopes, the racist former speechwriter, the racist social studies director of curriculum redesign, and the redesign, don't even get me started taking us back as 50 years. You want to be a climate leader? You're failing. You want to draw international investment? You're failing. I'm a teacher who deferred a portion of my salary for 26 years, and I feel like there's one other thing you should know, says Wade. Get your hands off my fucking pension! This has been another edition of Trash Talk, another week of Real Talk, and we'll see you Monday morning at 8.30 Mountain Time!